Welcome to the Empower Your Life podcast, where you can find some of the best health and life tips to keep you active and living life without having to go through surgeries, procedures, or medication. We want to give you hope that this is all possible, as the body has an amazing ability to heal if we give it the right environment. We also wanted to make sure that you stay tuned to the end of this podcast for a very special offer if you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Without further ado, I bring to you this week's edition. Hey guys, this is Stephanie, the host of this podcast, and today we have a really awesome speaker, Dr. Elizabeth Ortez, and she is with Connected Rheumatology, and oh my gosh, she speaks my language, she speaks my language when, you know, you guys always hear me talk about, you know, you've got to get to the source of the problem, and here's someone that's in rheumatology that is doing that very thing, so I'm really excited to introduce you, so welcome, welcome. Thanks, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) So, Sharon, give us your story a little bit, like why did you become a doctor and why rheumatology? Yeah, so I um, am the first doctor in my family, and I must have checked some box in an, on an SAT test when I was in high school, because I got invited to be a part of this, what I call a doctor's camp, which it was it's called the National Youth Leadership Forum on Medicine, and so the summer between junior and senior year, I went down to Houston, and um, for 10 days, they take you on tours of med schools, of hospitals, you hear talks from residents and med students and doctors, and I was hooked. I just thought, I thought they were the coolest people I've ever seen, which says a lot about what a nerd I am, Um, but I came back from that 10 days, and I told my parents I'm going to be a doctor, and they didn't exactly... They weren't super excited, only because they were like, do you know how much work that's going to be? I was like, I don't care. This is what I'm going to do. And so, you know, from 17, I was like, this is what I'm going to do, which is a really young age in retrospect to make that big of a decision. Um, but I then went to A&M and then went up to New York to Cornell for med school. And then while in med school, I... You know, you go through all these different rotations with surgery, internal medicine, trying to figure out which direction you're going to go. And I used to always think that in in those rotations is where you figure out if you're a doer or a thinker. Mm -hmm. And the doers go and do surgery, and the thinkers go and do pediatrics or internal medicine. And then even within internal medicine, you kind of split off again, like the doers and the thinkers. So cardiology, GI, like the people who are going to get in there and like, cut out the polyp or (laughs) fix, you know, like put a stent in. And then you have the thinkers like infectious disease, rheumatology, and endocrinology. And I am like a thinker all the way. Like I like (laughs) rounding. I like talking for hours with patients. So, so, um, and figuring out problems and figuring out problems, right? Like I didn't realize it at the time and I didn't have the language probably to describe it, but I am not, I'm not put off by the unknown. Yeah. And in rheumatology in particular, I think that's a that serves me because there's so much we don't know yeah. in rheumatology. Um, but anyways, in med school I got exposed to a few cases that I thought were cool. And so I rotated with the rheumatologist um, there at Cornell or HSS. And um, I thought they, again, it's like you see the people that are ahead of you and you think like that's who I want to be. Mm-hmm. Like that's they're the cool people, even though they're, like, so weird and nerdy, but, uh, <laughs> but I just liked their vibe, I liked, they seemed happy, you know, so many of the other doctors were just kind of stressed and unhappy, and, like, we were the team that was rounding with our attending goddess popsicles, and so I just was like, this, this seems more like me, 
Um, and then it just was further encouraged in my training that I liked the cases. I liked how they were complicated mm -hmm. and it took time to figure them out. I liked the patients. I liked how, you know, in rheumatology, 80 to 85% of the patients are women. Mm -hmm. um, I liked how there was a big proportion of patients who were young women. Um, and I also liked how it was split. You have this, like the autoimmune cases that can be anywhere from teens to 30s. And then you have the osteoarthritis um, patients who are older. So mm -hmm. I like how it split like that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of how I came about to rheumatology. I think I feel lucky that I landed in a field that fits me. I didn't, you know, you're so young when you yeah. make these decisions. I didn't know exactly what I was getting into. I didn't know what a career in rheumatology would look like yeah. when it was all said and done. Um, and so knowing how little I knew back then, I feel lucky that it's all worked out and that I have, I have found a good fit for my personality. Yeah, it's so interesting because I have never put categories into like doers and thinkers and um, I'm probably kind of like an in-between, like mm -hmm. I'm a thinker, but I'm also a doer. Like I want to do it so I can get it done. Yeah. Um, and I, and that's what motivates me. Like action gets me going. Um, but I'm also a thinker because I'm always the person that's like the why, like, why is that? Like, mm -hmm. why can't I figure that out? And so I'm like, I'm always in the belief that our body can heal. Like if we give it the right environment, it totally can heal. Right. But we have to figure out what that is and where's the source coming from. And there's so many different right. sources. And so that's, um, you know, when you talk about like, it's amazing how you've gotten into an area that like fits you perfectly. Yeah. It's, it, I feel the same way. I'm like, how did this even happen? Right. right. <laughs> because I, you know, it, it's so fun to, to take some of these complicated cases and just try to figure out like, why is this like this? Gosh, this is just driving me bananas. Right. And even when we can't figure it out, which is, it's rare. Like it does happen. Mm -hmm. I still follow them. I follow them because I know, like, if they find someone that knows, and I'm like, got it. Now I have that right. pattern. Right now I have now that I have the pattern, and I can totally do it. Right. Right. And I mean, I think obviously the the best combination is to be a little bit of both. Yeah. Right? Like I, I. You can't think yourself, like, eventually you have to make a decision. Eventually yep. you need to do something to help the patient or, or whatever the situation is. But um, I think being able to take the time and not being frustrated with the process yep. um, serves the patient and also just happens to fit into what I like to do. Like, when you're in residency, you have to rotate through different parts of the hospital, and there is... The ICU, like, I still get palpitations when I walk by that place. I mean, cause, because it is such it is such an acute area. Like, decisions have to be, be made, made quickly. Yeah. And I learned how to do it, but, man, I needed to sleep for, like, two months after my month rotation <laughs> because it just took so much out of yeah. me um, to have to perform like that. And when I was a student and I rotated in the ER, I was like, no. And, you know, eat the... the TV show ER was really big when I was in yes. high school and college, yes. which was kind of like, ooh, I'm going to be like George Clooney, <laughs> and I, you know, but once I actually rotated, I was like, get me out of here, like, I can't, I can't take this, um, but obviously, it's a, the combination of the both, of like, being able to think, but then put it into action is, yeah. is the ideal. Yeah, and, you know, 
now I want to kind of get into a little bit of like why you set up your own practice. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really cool story. It's a very similar story to why I, you know, want to do it differently. Mm -hmm. So give us, give us a little bit of um, history from that. Yeah. So I, the past 10 years, I I started my career in academics. um, And there was a number of reasons for that. I liked the place I was at. I liked the location and I liked the kinds of cases I was seeing um, in an academic institution. You tend to see the sickest of the sick or the people who have kind of been through the ringer and end up referred to the big, you know, the big institution. And I liked that. Um, I also liked being around trainees because I like teaching. Um, so there were a lot of positives that made me want to stay. Um, but as with most things, you know, what you... In training, you're only seeing a certain part of the job and a certain part of the institution. And then once you really get into it, you start to see other aspects of it. And as a trainee, I had really been shielded from the way third parties um, get in between the care that you can provide. And and I just was seeing more and more of that and getting frustrated by it. I liked being able to be in with the patient and really get into it with them about what was going on, come up with a plan together, because that was the other thing I hated, is I hated when doctors go in there and just say, you're gonna do this, 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 and then walk out. (laughs) But like making the plan together, what fits into what they're comfortable with, and then combine that with the knowledge I have about what we can expect with their disease. Um, So I liked that part, but then you step out and you then all of a sudden have to deal with prior authorizations or just denials or you have to compromise on your opinion. So let's say you see a patient who has a rare condition, which isn't uncommon in rheumatology, and you find data that shows, well, it's limited, but we need this particular study. And then you order that study and it's just flat out denied and I've spent hours on the phone with insurance companies trying to convince them why this is the study we need and it was just getting to me when that happened when you have to do that for multiple patients um and I was seeing how it was turning me into a an efficient doctor I mean Mm -hmm. I was learning how to maneuver that system Mm -hmm. and I was getting good at it you know that's what they do like they mold you into <laughs> what's going to enable you to see as many patients as possible because that's how you're able to keep a roof over your head yes um so i was getting better at it but at the cost of my mental health yeah. you know my my physical health eventually um and just i was becoming the kind of doctor i didn't i don't know i just i I didn't like the feeling that you I almost knew, were resenting it. Yeah, yeah, and I knew I wasn't giving the kind of care that I could. Yeah, um, and I would always um, laugh at myself. I would, if you happen to be the last patient of my day, first of all, I was haggard. <laughs> I would like, st- <laughs> I would like stumble into the room. Um, but if I knew there was no one after you, and I'm just like tired, yeah, I almost feel like you got. I mean, I, aside from being tired, yeah. you got the best of me because I wasn't in a rush. I was like, yeah. the day's over. Yeah. I would put my feet up and be like, what's going on? And and we'd really get into it. But if you happen to be in the, the middle of my day where I was probably running late and then I had a slew of patients after you, then a lot of times, unfortunately, I didn't feel like I was giving my best. I hated that. Yeah. I, 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 I totally can empathize with that because that's it was similar on our end for physical mm-hmm. therapy. And I, I don't think 
people know how much you have to fight with insurance companies. Mm-hmm. I, I got to the point where it's like, you know what, I'd rather hire people to take care of people right. than to hire people to take care of insurance. Because right. insurance, like, I was having to hire extra people just to fight the insurance companies. Mm-hmm. And so you're doing this, and it's just dwindling away, and, like, you have to end up seeing more patients which to is not good for the costs. patients to cover I those know. costs. And I, and I get like, you know, we spend a ton on health insurance, but I'm, I'm to the point where I'm like, okay, I have health insurance, high deductible. That's just like for anything like that I have to have for mm-hmm. an emergency or anything like that. I, I literally want to pay people to spend time so that we can figure this out and you will end up saving way more money because you can right. spend the time to go, okay, let's have a game plan. Versus just spending five minutes, here's some pills, I'll see ya, you know, and and that doesn't, that often treats the symptoms and, you know. I mean, when I started giving medications for the side effects of medications, that's when I was like, (laughs) I I can't do this. I mean, because first of all, I don't like taking medicine. Yeah. You know, like, I I fight it tooth and nail, like, sometimes against my better judgment, but I get it. I get the hesitation and I don't like how I was just giving it, you know. Yes. As a rheumatologist... I give a lot of steroids. I just do. Yes. It's it's part of what it's it it's part of what we need to do to cover some of the diseases that we take care of. But I don't like it. I don't I try to get them off of it as soon as possible. We try to give them as small a dose as possible. So I had to kind of come to terms with okay, medications play a role. They especially in the world of rheumatology, they've completely changed the way we treat things like rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis. I mean, these are conditions that just 40 years ago were a straight line to a wheelchair and disability, and now we can completely prevent that. But what I was getting frustrated with is the lack of respect I was seeing amongst colleagues for these medications mm-hmm. because they are revolutionary and they are also very potent in ways that we were still learning about. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing about being an academic institution having tons of conferences all the time <laughs> is we were having these journal clubs where we're studying the immune system and the one thing I'd always take away is like there's still so much we don't know about the immune system and how much it interacts with itself with b cells and t cells and all these other cells like we try to break it down to be well you're immune if you have antibodies you know this is really big right now with covid like we're all focused on do you have an antibody response and that's definitely important but we're forgetting well b cells and antibodies interact with t cells and so maybe you know, even though you don't have a measurable antibody in these blood tests, there might still be some sort of immunity within your immune system because it's communicated with all these other cells. And so again, in my like primitive brain, I just walk out being like, there's still a lot we don't know. Yeah. And how, um, and a lot we can do. Right. Right. But how we need to respect these medicines that Mm -hmm. go after the immune system because, um, we're still learning about them. Mm-hmm. And now, 20 years of using these medicines, we're seeing how they can cause lupus. They can cause a lot of other things, which mm-hmm. isn't a reason to avoid them if you need them, but it's just a, another reason to put them in the category they belong, which is that they res- deserve respect. That's yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. And I know, um, you know, when you get in some arthritis cases, such as like rheumatoid arthritis, this is more of like an autoimmune type response. And if we don't take care of that gut health piece of it, which is a lot of things that, like, you know, we don't ever get into as mm-hmm. in the medical system because it's not something that you really learn 
and, and med school, um, you know, it's a big missing piece. Tell us more about that and how that can affect right. outcomes. Well, no, you're absolutely right. We get little to no nutrition um, <laughs> education, which is mind-blowing. It's not mind-blowing at the time because yeah. you're just learning whatever they feed you, but when you're out of it, you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> um, but, no, we're definitely learning a lot about the microbiome, right? So, you know, in our gut, we have a huge environment of bacteria that help our whole system, and we're learning how it helps our immune system. And what we do know is that patients with rheumatoid arthritis and lupus have an altered microbiome. So mm -hmm. they, see, they, they have higher levels of quote-unquote bad bacteria and lower levels of good bacteria. But that's where we are with the science. We don't know what came first. So mm -hmm. we don't know, well, did the microbiome change and then that led to the autoimmune disease or vice versa? Mm -hmm. We don't know... Well, is it the medications that these autoimmune patients are taking that have altered the bacteria that we're now seeing? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things we don't know. And so for me to be able to prove to someone that it's a direct line, that your microbiome was messed up and that's why you got this disease, I can't now. Mm -hmm. the, we, the science just isn't there. There's certainly a lot of theories, yes. and I think that they're working towards that. But I can't prove it yet. Yes. Um, but it's not just autoimmune diseases, right? Like we're seeing alterations in the microbiome with cardiovascular disease, mm -hmm. with, with all kinds, all kinds with, of, yes. with neurodegenerative diseases. <laughs> yes. And this is where I, this is it's what, like a, a missing link, right? <laughs> this is what I've learned with rheumatology is you sometimes have to make calls when you don't have all the information, yes. you don't have all the provable facts, mm -hmm. um, and in this particular case, when the call, when the intervention that we're thinking about is simply cutting out sugar and processed food and eating real foods to then build up your microbiome, I always come back to, well, what's the harm in that? Mm -hmm. um, and not only as physicians do we not get nutrition education, um, but... And, we also, in our medical environment, don't have the time to get into it. Yeah. Even for those of us that maybe do educate ourselves, it's, it's time-consuming it to get time into consuming. someone's diet and, and help them see how to make the changes and why they should make the changes. I also sometimes wonder how, how much... What am I trying to say? I wonder if some of the pushback is not just education and time, but also, well, if... If I stress diet, then they won't take the medications that are proven to help. Mm -hmm. And especially when we're talking about rheumatoid arthritis, um, even I sometimes think, you know, when you see someone who clinically has rheumatoid arthritis, they have the joint swelling, mm -hmm. they have the beginnings of some erosions in their joints, um, the dysfunction of their immune system at that point is it's pretty far. Yeah. You know, it's like it's kind of the 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 cycle is as I'm forgetting what kind of um, colloquialism I'm looking for. But you know, like the horse is out of the gate. Yeah. It's they're they're way yeah. yeah. It's it's they're way into the disease process, right. which means there's a lot of a, right. a, a, a lot so of issues. I do think that diet changes can help their quality of life and help um, decrease the swelling so that on a day to day basis they feel better. I do think it's asking a lot to say the diet changes will prevent 
some of the long-term consequences we know happen yeah. in rheumatoid arthritis. So I do think in those cases there's a role for medication. Yeah. Um, because the changes that happen to their immune system happen way before we 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 knew. Oh yeah. Um, so you won't, I, you won't know you won't see that present until it presents like you know outwardly with like symptoms. And right. That's when you know. I mean, same with cancer. Like you right. don't know that you have cancer until it gets to a point. Where right. now it's affecting an organ, right. so it's very similar with right. this. You just don't know until um, yeah until, until it's too mm-hmm. not not that it's too late. You can still like reduce the effects. You can I think I'm, I think you know our body has an amazing ability to heal, mm-hmm. and um, how much it can you know is is time dependent. Right. Like, you know, the longer time that you have to make these changes that you are making changes, the more you're going to see. But right. It's a slow process because it was a slow process to get to people start. This, yeah, to this point. I think. At the end of the day, it really just comes down to having that kind of conversation. Having the conversation about, well, what will the medication do for me? And what are the side effects? Yeah. Or potential side effects. And then what are the other things I can do um, that, yes, let's all agree it's not proven. Yeah. Let's, let's all agree it's not proven. <laughs> but what are the downsides to <laughs> eating more vegetables? Yeah. <laughs> and um, cutting out sugar and processed food. And how can I do that? And then you know, let's follow it together Yeah, kind of thing. And I think, well, those conversations take time, and time's the thing we don't have, right? Yeah. In, in, in the medical world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lost cause these days. Yep. <laughs> so tell us how, like, you know, how your practice is set up and why it's different. Right. So um, the first thing I decided was that in order to be able to provide the care and attention that I knew people needed and that I wanted to give was I was just going to have to cut out third-party insurance. Um, because the the way they dictate um, the kind of care that doctors can give, it just it just doesn't fit what I think patients need mm-hmm. and what I know I do best. Mm-hmm. I was trying to fit it in before, and I was just it just wasn't working. So I've decided to cut that out now. Obviously, for labs and studies yep. and medications, that's all covered. Yep. You know, it'll be covered through insurance. But for my time and attention and expertise and recommendations and all of that. Um, we, I don't accept it. Um, the other thing is through, um, partly because of COVID and partly because of the idea that you want to kind of meet patients where they are, um, I'm utilizing technology. So we do telemedicine and then house calls. And the house calls I think are exciting because it enables me to see the person in their home environment, which secretly I always wanted to do (laughs) with my other patients when they would come to me. And I would hear about their life. I was just kind of, I always wonder, like, what are they going home to? And how is that impacting what I'm seeing here in the clinic? And so with the house calls, it kind of allow me to see that, which I think just will add a whole other layer of the care I'm able to provide. Yeah. And I think what some people don't even realize, like from an insurance world, because, you know, we, we, we've been in the insurance world and we're no longer in the insurance world, that you're a specialist. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm in mean, physical therapy. I'm a specialist. So mm-hmm. we hit those deductibles. And guess what? Most people have huge deductibles. So you're going to be yeah. spending the money anyway. And you might as well spend it with someone that's going to be able to spend time with you. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to get a better outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, spending time with someone for like five minutes and they're in and out. And here's some medications. Does not even begin to start peeling back the layers of issues that come with with you know, with things like this. Right. Um, so people, you just will be so much happier going this route. And I mean, I can tell you patients that have come into our office, you know, kind of skeptical a little bit. I'm not really sure mm-hmm. are like, Oh my God, I, I'm, I'm so glad I found this place. Like, yeah. and it's going to be the same for you. 
I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. I, you know, it, it took a while. I was contemplating leaving my previous job probably for two years before. And of course, I'm, it's also tied together with the fact that I'm originally from Texas. My whole family's in Texas. <laughs> I had been away for a long time. Um, and you know it's time to leave when you start thinking to yourself that you're sick of the sunshine. <laughs> you know, like, I had been saying, like, oh, the weather, the weather, the weather. And then all of a sudden I was like, God, the weather is always nice. <laughs> and this is a negative. And oh, gosh, like, what's wrong with me? I wanted, I wanted some change in the season. And, and so that was like, oh, my God, I really need to reevaluate what I'm doing here. Um, so, yeah, that, it was all tied together of, like, getting closer to family um, and then trying to reinvent something for myself. And at this point, I am excited and ready to go, but I've also thought to myself, if this doesn't work, then I'm going to have to find something else because the thought of going back to that environment, I just can't. I just, it doesn't fit who I am. Yeah. And I think, I think honestly, it doesn't really fit what, what people who need rheumatologic care doesn't fit what they need. Yes. Um, because they're not getting the full attention of their provider. And if anything, I think as rheumatologists, going back to that thinker versus doer, like what you're getting or what you should get when you go to see a rheumatologist is them thinking about you. Yes. And, and if you're not getting that, then you're not really seeing mm -hmm. a good a rheumatologist. Like, and I think if rheumatologists really sit back and think like why did they go into rheumatology well it's because they like thinking about the interesting cases and and not only what's going on kind of molecularly which is like the nerd scientist in us but also how that's translating into how they're feeling mm -hmm. like that's why we all go into rheumatology and the system that's built doesn't support that yeah. i'm not compensated for thinking <laughs> I'm compensated for just seeing lots of patients, seeing lots of patients, doing injections. Yes. You know, like, <laughs> that's what I'm compensated for, but that's not really what people who come to see me, at least. Yeah. You know, other specialties are different, but who come to see a rheumatologist need. But I think that's needed in every profession. Because yeah. I think even if you go to any doctor, sitting down and having a conversation, you're going to learn more and getting uh, getting an understanding about the patient mm -hmm. of where they're coming from and what their fears are. You're going to really be able to speak into that. Mm -hmm. But that takes time having those conversations, and we just don't have it. And I know, like, I have uh, another friend that's a doctor, and she um, literally was a primary care doctor, and she worked in the corporate place, and she got to the point where she just quit she was so burnt out she quit she said I would rather be a plumber than to go back into the medical system at yep. this point like and that's where that's where we are with a with like every medical profession that's out yep. there they are just so burnt out because mm -hmm. they have to see so many people and so if you as a patient if you get frustrated with this it's a lot of it's the system and they're just right. they're just wiped out burnt out don't have anything else to give and it's one of those things like if you can't take care of yourself first you're not going to be able to take care of other people right. and the system is not made up to take care of us and that's the thing that I think it's important for patients to understand is that if your doctor isn't happy, you are not getting the best <laughs> care from them. Yes. If your doctor doesn't have time to take care of themselves, yeah. you know, it's that whole like put the mask on yourself before you put it yes. on someone else. Yes. You know, it, take a look at your doctor's health and are they taking care of themselves? Yes. Um, and so, so that will 
inform you of how good their advice is on how you should take care of yourself. You mm-hmm. know, I think, and I, and only because I was living it. Like I started developing the stomach pain and it was like coming and going. I didn't know what it was. I assumed it was something I was eating. Um, and it's, was happening maybe a couple times a year, and then it became every season, and then it became every three weeks. Yeah. And it was, I mean, first of all, I have a very low tolerance for pain. So maybe other people could have handled it, but I, like, couldn't. I was, like, I had learned, I was, like, taking Tums and Prilosec and, you know, like, just calm it down because it felt like acid reflux. And I finally learned the only thing that made it go away was, getting in the fetal position in bed and groaning myself to sleep. And then I would wake up and it would be gone. And, you know, like the good doctor I am, I like went to my colleagues and had them order a bunch of tests because I was convinced I was dying. (laughs) And everything came back negative. And everyone was asking me, well, are you stressed? And I was like, well, no more than usual. Yeah. And that right there, that said it all. Like, well, I'm usually stressed. (laughs) And so... And so it really was a wake-up call that, like, I am not doing well. And, you know, everyone's wake-up call is at a different level. And I do think because I'm so sensitive to pain, like, you know, some people are able to push it and ignore it. And I I just can't. (laughs) I just couldn't. And I was already kind of thinking about leaving anyways. But that pain, I was like, no. Yeah. No. And as soon as I just acknowledged it, it went away. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing what stress can do to the body. People don't mm-hmm. even realize that that is a huge factor yep. um, in it. And um, and again, like I mean, I had the same thing, and and it took me a, it took me almost a year to undo it because and and it wasn't like I was stressed for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. But I think I had a little bit when my dad. Well, I did have a lot when my dad died, um, and then I was kind of overcoming it, and then. And then probably a year later is when everything just kind of fell apart from, from my office and then wanting me to do more and more. And I'm like, I'm maxed out. Like, I can't do more. They literally said to me, because um, I said, I've got to go down to four days a week because I just can't, I can't mm-hmm. do this anymore. And they were trying to take away some of my bonuses. And they literally said, we understand that you probably do more than the average person. I go, oh, great. So let me do less than the average person, and then you can pay me more. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they literally said that. I was like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I had to, like, completely step away. And my, my diet was really good. I mean, I'm, I'm a plant-based um, eater. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've learned a lot, you know, over the years and have had to completely change. Like, it's, it's a journey. I've had to completely change for other things that have happened in my life. And yeah. so... Um, but it was, it was a stress. Like it didn't matter how good my diet was at the point. The trigger was the stress and I had to like overcome that piece of it. And once when I did, then everything went back to normal and, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, when your body's out of balance, you can tell like your sleep's off. Like you just, um, there, there's so many things that'll be off and it's usually one thing or, you know. Nutrition is the foundation, but there's other things you have to look at it from from, from all, all, all it, different yeah. views, and that's true with something like this. Yeah. I mean, it's true with something like what I do. It's not just a, a cookie cutter, one size fits all. There's right. so many aspects that you have to take into account. Right. You know, it's interesting because I I think that um, I've seen it not only myself but in my patients how an event will happen that's super stressful, mm-hmm. whether it's you know what do they say, death, divorce, yeah. and moving, yeah, like the yeah. three stressors. Um, I've seen accidents that uh, require like they have fractures and require mm-hmm. rehab car accidents something big happens yes and they either are incapacitated in some way whether mentally emotionally or physically yes. if they have like a boot on yes. or something and they can't do 
the things that they were used to doing yep. to stay sane. Yep. And then they, they muscle through. They yep. push through. They're doing their best. And maybe months go by. Maybe the rehab doesn't go the way they want. Maybe they need another surgery. Who knows what? And then all of a sudden, something else starts hurting. Yep. And then all of a sudden, something, they have another symptom. Yep. And then before you know it, they're 12 months in. They're seeing a rheumatologist. Yes. Because they went to saw, see their primary care doctor with all these weird symptoms, <laughs> yes. and an ANA was checked, and they're like, oh, you have lupus. <laughs> so they're in my office. I'm looking at them, and, you know, when you see enough lupus cases, I would always joke that I can smell lupus. Yeah. So I walk in, I'm like, this is not lupus. <laughs> but you clearly still have someone suffering in yes. front of you. Yes. And so they have this, they have that. They're pointing to all these things that are painful, and the headaches, and then this. And you, like... You bring it back and you realize it all started with this yes. one event yes. that then snowballed into inactivity, poor sleep, yep. their diet goes to yep. heck, like all of these things. And then all of a sudden now you just have this kind of a mess. Yes. And it takes time. It took time to get there. Yeah. It's going to take time and to get out. And it's peeling back the layers. Right. But that takes time. It does. That takes time to get there. And it takes also trust from the patient yeah you know whenever they've looked up their symptoms online they've been told by other doctor that they have this autoimmune condition or whatever condition they've been told it takes trust um from from their standpoint and to to go with you on that and that's where the time kind of comes in because you have to have the time to explain to them and help them see what you see mm -hmm. so that then they can be like oh yeah you're right um and just knowing that we've seen this before, right, we've got right, people right, right, right. here, like, you're going to be okay. Right. I've, I've gone down that yes, road. I know. I'm like, I've done we just got to peel some of the layers right. back. We've got to figure out where the sources are coming from. Right. Um, you, you've got to, but yeah, and like you said, it just takes time. Right. I think with COVID, we're seeing a lot of it because exercise, um, you know, interpersonal, like hanging out with friends, like these were things we were doing to keep ourselves sane. Yes. And now we can't do them. And then... You start, you know, you're sad that you can't do them, so you reach for the cookies. Yes. You know, like, this is what yes. I've been doing. <laughs> I've been, that's what everyone's been doing. I've been telling right. patients, I'm like, no, it's normal. You have nothing to look forward to. So the right. only thing you have to look forward to is food that maybe you didn't normally eat, but now you're eating it. I know, because when it's on, in the, on the tongue, it feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> it does, but it's so true. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, um, but yeah, like I said, you have to hit it from all different angles. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think that you're not you're doing them a disservice by not. Yeah. I think that, um, like I said, medications have a role, but they oftentimes don't get to the root issue. Yep. Well, I am so glad you came here, and um, we are going to put your information. So if anyone's looking um, for your services, we'll put all your information down in the comment section as well so that they can find you. And um, this, was, this was awesome. People need to hear this. Great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Empower Your Life podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. And thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you today. Down below in the description, you'll find a link to our back pain report. It'll have a great ton of information in there that's completely free. All you have to do is click the link and sign up. Thank you again and have an absolutely amazing week.